I'm Jo Chan Yan. And I'm Donna He, and we are two brand designers who met on Instagram and now we are great friends. We can't get enough about nurturing your brand and your mindset when it comes to building a conscious vision led business. We love honest conversations and digging deep into the things that contribute to your path in making a positive impact in the world. Hello and welcome to the Brand Journey Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome again to another episode. Um, we are here with Joe in Hi. Australia. Hello. <laughs> in California. <laughs> Today we are talking about business apps part two. So um, two episodes ago, we were talking about business apps that you can use internally for your business functions. And today we're going to focus on the second part, which will be about the external part of your business. So things yeah. that are public facing, like design, content, marketing, marketing, all of those things. So which mm-hmm. apps do we recommend based on our own history with them, what we've mm-hmm. used, what we've liked? I don't think we're going to recommend anything we haven't liked. So let's get started. So first, yeah. we're going to talk about design apps. And yes. this is to, to keep in mind that we're not talking specifically to designers. We're talking to everyone that need to create graphics for social media. So maybe you're not a designer and you want to create some graphics for social media. So we're going to recommend some that are free and some that are paid. But mm-hmm. also, you know, if you do hire a designer and you want to create some social media graphics that are templates that you can keep using, these are some apps that you can perhaps ask the designer to, to use so that you can get used to using them. We're going to recommend some that can help you get that job done. Yeah. We've got a really diverse list of different things. And I think one of the things that is worth noting is that even though Donaghy and I have built our businesses and we both have design-related businesses with a, and we both create our own content, the apps that we use and the apps that we both recommend may be a little bit different, but there are some that are going to be the same as well so it's just really interesting when we're putting that list together to see like all the different things that we've tried and tested over the years and this is kind of like after years of testing you know like we've gone through both of us are very into exploring and experimenting with different apps and software so it's been tried and tested (laughs) in depth I would say (laughs) yeah yeah so the one Big resource hub for most Mm. business owners and creatives is Creative Market. And this is a website that you can go to and purchase all kinds of different things. It's pretty amazing, I think, Mm. the the vast, the vastness of it, of what you can get. Anything from video photography, graphics, fonts, textures, like there's just templates for social media. Just so many different things. Yeah. The good thing about Creative Market is that there's a lot of affordable things and you can find basically anything you want in terms of creative assets. But the 
bad part about it, in my opinion, is that if you're a person who is doing their own branding, you could get lost pretty easily in finding a gazillion different mm. assets and styles and your brand can perhaps look watered down because you're using a million different things. So I know Joe has other thoughts on this too, but I would mm-hmm. say just if you are going to create a market to download graphics, try to find things that have a very similar aesthetic so that at least you're using them intentionally and being mindful of not confusing your customers through your visuals. Yeah, I love that piece of advice. And I think that applies to creative market, but also to Canva as well, which we'll get into a little bit later. And yeah, I think I've personally used creative market for fonts, not so much for templates, but I think if you weren't working with a designer and you wanted to create templates for social media, there's a lot of options there as well. And there's also a lot of options when it comes to mock-ups, which I personally use. And it depends on what your end product needs to be when it comes to graphics. But I know that a lot of business owners, if they were going to use a mock-up for, say, packaging, for example, you'll find a lot of different mock-ups on Creative Market as well. So yeah, there's just a vast like smorgasbord of of different things that you can find on there. So yeah, I really like it as well. I think I've used it for the last sort of few years in business. And yeah, it's always been something that I would recommend for clients if they weren't wanting to get something custom created for them. So like an illustration or a uh, an image, for example, or something like that, or texture or background, if you didn't want to hire someone to illustrate or create that for you specifically, then this would be a good option. Yeah. So going into from creative market onto Canva, it's a good uh, second option because mm-hmm. it's very user-friendly. And like Joe was saying, it's very similar to creative market where you have tons of assets and templates that you can use. The only thing is that I believe you have to pay for it, but I'm not sure. I've only used it for a few clients. I'm not a big fan because in my opinion, it's hard to be consistent with the font usage and and how you create every template. It feels Mm -hmm. like you have to start from scratch every time unless you duplicate it over and over. But if you start adding text you know, mm-hmm. by yourself, it's hard to stay consistent. What do you think about Canva, Joe? Yeah, so you've got two options for Canva. You do have the free option, which doesn't have the brand kit. Oh, they do so, have the free option. Yeah, yeah. So the free yeah. option without the brand kit means that you have to go back to the drawing board every time to select the font that you're using, That's or it. it'll give you the most recent font that you've used. But if you're using the brand kit, then there is an option in Canva for you to quickly add the heading or the body text yeah. that's already been set for your brand kit. And that goes with your colors as well. I completely agree with Donahue around like consistency of branding is really important because there's been so many times where I've created something for a client on Canva and 
even though the design has been created for their brand specifically, it can get very tempting to add lots of other elements because you've got images, (laughs) you've got access to textures, you've got access to all these different things. And when you see that there are so many options, it's kind of like you go a bit bonkers in the lolly store. So you start adding lots of things (laughs) to your brand and it effectively can break the design. It breaks your style guide. It breaks your aesthetic. So for consistency, try and avoid getting too lost in that lolly shop or just choosing a few things and really sticking with those things that work well for your brand. Yeah, it's a good recommendation. Okay, the other one that we all use as designers, most of us Mm -hmm. do at least, is Adobe Creative Cloud. Mm -hmm. And for Adobe Creative Cloud, I mean, typically clients don't really have this, but if you do, some, some do. There are a couple of apps that can help you with graphics, such as Adobe XD and Adobe Illustrator. They do have some, um, I think, is it Spark or some mobile versions uh, that are like light yes. Uh, yes, versions? on the iPad. Which I've yes. never used, so I can't really speak to those versions. I've created templates for Illustrator, but most people either use Photoshop or keynote actually which we'll talk about later yeah i know joe you use xd quite a bit yeah i love xd i also love using figma as well and i've used that with my clients mainly because i think we are able to get into the depth of the design and ensure that there is some sort of consistency around the style guide the typography styles the color palette all of those things the components the sizing that you can't really control in Canva. It is, of course, a lot more difficult to pick up, I would say, than like Canva, which feels very Mm -hmm. intuitive and easy for someone who isn't always using a lot of design programs. But XD and Figma, for most clients, when they see it, they, they kind of understand that they can click in and edit the things. So it is a good option. XD and Figma would be good options if you were working alongside a designer, because then you have someone who can either go in and set up some of those basic styles for you. And then it becomes very easy for you to add or change things if the designer has set it up for you in a specific way, which makes it easy to do so. When it comes to Illustrator, you do have the version for iPad as well. So I would recommend getting started on an iPad first if you haven't used it before moving to the actual Adobe version because it just has a lot more functionality. So just to keep things simple, go for something that's easier to use and a lighter version before stepping into to the big, <laughs> bigger mama version. <laughs> yeah, and I would actually add that for Adobe Creative Cloud would probably be my last recommendation personally, just because like Joe was saying, it's more geared towards designers. So it's a little bit more yes. complex in the, the actual app, yes. the navigation and all of that, the tools. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more complex. Whereas Canva is specifically for to help people do that mm. on their own. So it's meant for that. And yeah. also Adobe, you do have to pay. It's not cheap. And there is really no free version of that. So, mm-hmm. And then moving on to Keynote. Yeah. Keynote is free if you have an iMac. And what I love about Keynote is that it's very light, very similar to Figma in that sense that 
Figma is free as yes. well, unless you start collaborating with people. So yes. that's something nice that it has. It's a nice feature. Yes. Were you going to yes. say something, Joe? I was just going to say I'm such a huge fan of Keynote <laughs> because I feel like I feel like there is so much that you can do, but it's designed yeah. so beautifully that there is a real simplicity to the overall user experience. So you can create whatever you want in Keynote without feeling like you have to learn a new tool yes. from scratch. It just feels very intuitive. And even though it was initially designed to be more like a PowerPoint kind of software where mm -hmm. you present slides, yeah, presentations, you can actually create the slides to fit the size of an Instagram post, for example, or headers and things like that for Facebook. So if you were to make changes on Keynote, it becomes a lot easier. It also gives you a lot more control than I would say Canva does. Again, if you already have some of those text font styles already set up for the particular file. So, but yeah, I, I think it's It got a lot of functionality and also animations are quite easy to capture on Keynote as well that you can also export for Instagram so that yeah. there is some sort of movie or animation feature that you could use for a reel, for example. Yeah, I use Keynote almost every day for my clients because that's what I do my strategy on and I do my mm. roadmap on and I also do pitch decks for them, design pitch decks for them there. And I actually started recommending it for clients because I really don't like Canva myself and I don't use it. I know some people really love it and that's fine. And also you have to pay for it to have that brand kit. Mm -hmm. The other apps I felt like you had to pay for and they weren't very easy to use. Mm. So I started offering to my clients that I knew had an iMac. Yes. You know, this app, because it's free and it's easy yeah. to use. Like Joe was saying, if you know how PowerPoint works or Google Slides, it's very easy to think of it that way. Yes. I've done presentations, keynotes, social media graphics, yes. those kinds of things. And Me too. graphics for a website sometimes, like mm. that my client would want to edit later and just create mm. templates for them. That's a great idea. Can, yeah. You can do that. And, oh, I just love how light and just fast. It, Smooth. You can do things yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. Keynote. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, because some people would not necessarily have access to a Mac. Yeah. And so I think one of the questions would be like, can I use PowerPoint instead? And that is going to be a little mm -hmm. bit more complex. It, yeah. I don't feel like it's been designed in the same way that Keynote has in that yeah. you can change those things easily. I would keep PowerPoint for PowerPoint presentations and yeah, slides rather than using it for graphics and that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so going from social media, content, graphics, or even pitch decks and things like that, yes. content planning. Yeah. So for content planning, I've always stuck with Planoly or Planoly, however you say it, mm. for the past, I don't know, four or five years or something mm -hmm. like that. I love it. It does the job. It works. I haven't had a reason to change to any other platform But I love that I can use it on the desktop and on my phone. I can easily drag and drop. You can schedule things. You can 
look at analytics. You can connect to your Facebook for whatever, I think, like ads or like marketing or something like that. Yeah. I don't use that, so I'm not sure. But um, you can do stories. You can do you can do everything. So mm. I love Planoly or Planoly, and um, it's also owned by a woman. So that's why I mm. <laughs> like it too. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I have no, a couple. Had... I should say it, it's, it's owned by a couple. Okay. <laughs> a couple. Like a, like a married couple. Right. Okay. <laughs> I've also been a huge fan of Planoly for a long time as well. I've tried a lot of different social media planning apps. And I felt that Planoly was the only one that had this sense of simplicity, allowed me to see the grid of what I was going to post, and also had the functionality around auto-posting or Mm -hmm. scheduling my posts and then adding hashtags and comments easily. So I think a lot of the other ones, there are ones that, are a lot more in depth but you tend to pay more for those but then it kind of gets a little bit messy it's almost like there's too much going on and you feel like unless I am a social media marketing manager or strategist I probably don't need all of those functions for my business I probably just need like the auto post and some of those basic features and analytics as well or unless you have somebody who's doing that yes. for you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, That makes it easier for people to upload content, schedule it, and then just sort of like let things flow. So if yeah. they can help you do that, great. But I feel the same. Like it can get a little messy if you have too yeah. much. I know that you can do this with later as well. You can mm. like throw a bunch of stuff in there and like organize it however you want to move things around that you haven't posted. So mm-hmm. you can see how it's going to be laid out later. But yeah. yeah. Do you have any other one you that you want to I recommend? I used Buffer in the past, but I always go back to Planoly just because I feel like the free version is actually pretty good. So if yeah. you're not someone that's using it a lot for posting on Instagram, then I think with the free version, you have 30 squares or something like that. It might not be that much. I think 30 posts a month. Per month, yeah. Yeah. But that's still quite a lot. Like I don't think I'd be posting that much. And then if you wanted the additional functionality of more accounts, then you would be paying a little bit per month. But overall, I think it's a really good value for the ongoing subscription as well. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about email marketing. I know this one, (laughs) I feel like a lot of people talk about this. Uh, We just did a talk in the designers cohort about this, Mm. but we're always comparing our notes on email marketing platforms because everyone has their own frustrations (laughs) with the ones that they're using. Mm. So I actually started on MailChimp years ago And I eventually had to let it go because I thought it was very frustrating that I couldn't have more than one opt-in. And if I did want to do that, I had to do all these other functions that I still don't even understand. So I kind of felt like it wasn't very user-friendly for people that Mm. wanted to have more than one opt-in. So it's a really good option for those who are starting and they just want like a simple newsletter sign up, you know. And once you're ready to add more offers, more freebies, then you can move on to another one or you can like figure out how to 
do the several ones. Yeah. I was just going to say with MailChimp, I think the, the complexity of the opt-in system is not great. But yeah. then also like the fact that the price I think was a huge hurdle for me because it oh. gets expensive. So for the first, I think it's up to a certain amount. So I think it's up to maybe 2,000 subscribers. Yeah. Then it's, I think it's free. I can't remember. I haven't seen like MailChimp's uh, pricing guide in such a long time. I think it's but free then, for for a while. Yeah, up to a certain number of subscribers. But yeah. when you start going above that, then it gets very expensive. So I, at one point I had 4,000, 5,000 subscribers and it was like $70 a month to send out wow, that's emails. So it was a lot. And I just knew that as I was trying to increase the amount of subscribers that I had on my email list, I just knew that that amount was just going to continue to go up. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I decided to go with Flowdesk, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. Oh, got it. I actually tried Flowdesk when it first came out and I, I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I know it's gotten a lot better. And so I switched to MailerLite, which is what I have now, which I actually really like it. I think it's a really good option for people who want to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to have multiple opt-ins and uh, segmentation and those kinds of things. We have different audience lists. The only thing I don't like is just the form. <laughs> we talked about this before. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the form, uh, this is like my pet peeve with email marketing platforms. Their forms, sometimes you either need to do a lot of coding to make it look good and sometimes it's wonky. So MailerLite is, for the most part, much better. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But yeah, it's a it's a really good option to get started for sure. Mm. Clavio or Clavio, I've mm-hmm. used that for a client. I also think that's a really good option. Mm. Um, to What's get that like? Because that's a, that includes a course as well. It's like a it's is it an all in one kind of platform? I don't think so. I think it's very huh. similar to Mailchimp and MailerLite. Oh, okay. Which is very sure. simple. You get several features. Yeah. It's a good one. Do they both charge the amount? Depends on the amount of subscribers or the amount of emails that you sign up, send out, yeah. or is it um, just like a blanket fee? I think it's for the amount of subscribers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but definitely that's part of it. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's more that you need. Yeah. But. It's totally fine for people who are just starting to build or – their, their email list for the first year or so. I don't know. If you want something simple, if you want like different opt-ins, different audience, like that's all great. If you want to get a little bit more technical and you want other things, other features, and you want, anal- well, actually those have analytics too. But yes. If you want analytics, if you want sales pages, if you want all these nice. other things, active campaign is good. And then um, what's the other one? That's like a big one. ConvertKit. So yes, good. Thank you, Joe. ConvertKit. <laughs> that's the other one. Those two are more expensive, but it yes, ha- they have tons of features. Mm. This is like once you have a lot going on in your business, it's a, mm-hmm. those are very popular options. Yes. And because I think with ConvertKit, it's really 
aimed at the content rather than the design of the email. Yes. I think yeah. the approach and the strategy for the email marketing is going to be a little bit different. So it might not suit all businesses for all of these things that we recommend. It's always a case of just doing a bit of research just to see whether it's right for your business. I've heard many wonderful things about ConvertKit. For me, I have been using Flowdesk. So similar to Donahue, mm-hmm. I started with uh, MailChimp many years ago and then decided to move to Flowdesk. One of the things I would recommend is probably just to see, it's almost like you want to choose the email marketing app or platform early on so that you can ensure that as your business grows, you'll stick with it. Because I had so many techie issues, not techie issues, but it was just like a lot of work to move from one platform to another because you had to disconnect all of these automatic email sequences that I had kind of tied up to opt-in. And I had a lot of opt-ins and different offers and things like that. And then it's almost like, for me, I had to send out an email just to let people know that the host was going to change as well, just from a legal perspective. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to, to let people know that. And then like importing the list of email subscribers and making sure that everyone's going to the right segment. All of that setup took a lot longer than I would have liked. So I think like as a general rule, it would be great to make that decision up front and ensure that it would be the one that you stick with ongoing. So far, I've really enjoyed Flowdesk. Um, I actually have a code, so we can put that in the notes. Um, and it, it gives you 50% off um, Flowdesk, which is actually really good. Yeah, we're going to have a little download with all of these as well as part one, if you haven't listened to it yet. Yes. So if we have any coupon codes or anything like that, that's going to be in there. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah, I think like Flowdesk overall has been really great because it's allowed me to design my emails the way I wanted them to look. So it's good for design in terms of if you want to add something in your email, like images or have some sort of style or have a bit more font choice, then Flowdesk is a great option. It's not necessary though. I would say like generally for email marketing, it's like typically the content of your email, the copy is going to be the thing that converts. And sometimes all of the other elements, like too many illustrations or images can actually detract from the conversion Mm -hmm. rate, depending on your audience. So that's just something to keep in mind. But overall, I've really loved Flowdesk because it has a lot of the features that I looked for in terms of having the different segments. And then it has these automatic almost like these flow states where one trigger leads to a bunch of other actions. So you can send out different campaigns and have it trigger further newsletters or emails after that. So that's been really good for me. And over the years, I think it's gotten better in terms of usability. It's quite smooth now. I actually find that there's not too many issues with lag or anything like that. So the user experience is much better. MailerLite also has that, by the way, with the automation for yes. triggers for different campaigns. So that's something that you're looking into. I think those two options might be something you want to look into. I know Clavio also does that too. Yes. So yeah. those are 
three are, are good options for that. And the triggers would be something that's necessary if you have different opt-ins or if you want people to go down a particular funnel for where you send them one email on the first day and then you have like an email three days later or a week later and it kind of spirals from there. So some of these are really good just to consider for your business because with opt-ins it's kind of nice to nurture your audience over time. Yeah, that's a good point to find the right one for you and stick with it. Think about when you're really ready to start putting some marketing efforts in place. That might be a good time to like really (laughs) look and find the right one and not think about it when it's a little too late. (laughs) Yes. And it's one of those things that you need to do like ongoing as well. (laughs) Like I think I've been guilty of that yeah I've started so many email campaigns and then just stopped like after six (laughs) months yeah it's one of my goals this year to build that consistency yeah same here all right so let's move on to video editing this should be pretty Mm. quickly Hmm. I think um so when we talk about video editing we mean what video apps you can use for posting videos let's say on Instagram how you can edit your videos like reels or Instagram stories or, you know, any sort of videos. Mm -hmm. My go-tos are Video Leap, which is on the phone. And that's a paid app. That is an amazing app. You can do so many things Mm -hmm. with it. You just add stuff from your camera roll. You can organize it. You can do transitions. You can add music, sound, voiceover. I don't know about captions, actually. Um, oh, for V? Really? No, no, no. For Video Leap. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, Video Leap. You can download it on the App Store, but mm, it's mm, mm. it's an awesome, awesome app. I love that. And then Veed.io is what I use for adding captions. What else do I use that for? Some editing. But I mainly use it for captions just because I like being able to edit my captions and I like to see it on Mm -hmm. the computer. It's just easier for me to do. And you can also edit it to add like graphics and all kinds of different things. So that's also a paid one, but I believe there is a free version of it. And then the last one I've used before, before I started using Veed is Kapwing. It sounds weird, but it's K-A-P-W-I-N-G. And there is also a free version that's very similar to Veed. It's just a browser. Veed and Capwing are both browser apps. And you can just upload your video and you can trim it. You can add captions, graphics, text. Mm. So these are really good ones. Which do you, because I don't do that much video editing. Do you typically use Video Leap and then... Veed or Capwing or like do you kind of use one mainly and then only Veed if you need subtitles and captions? I don't use Capwing anymore because I use mm. Veed. That was mm-hmm. like before I found out about Veed, I, I used to use Capwing. Mm. My go-to is Adobe Premiere. That's what I use for editing. Most of the videos that I, I show or post, I start there, yeah. put it all together for the most part. And then I take that over to Veed and to add captions to it mm-hmm. instead of using like the Instagram captions because I don't like how that looks. <laughs> I don't like how it looks. Yeah. So I bring it into Veed and I add captions to it. 
and any other little graphics if I wanted to. And then I upload it to Instagram. And then Video Leap on my phone, I usually use it if I want to put together like some sort of, I don't know, like story type of thing where I'm using a lot of photos or videos integrating them or just something that's on the phone already. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to like put stuff on my computer and then edit that through Premiere. Mm-hmm. So Video Leap is a faster version of what I do in Premiere. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on my assets. So like if I have assets yeah. on the computer, I'll just use it on Premiere. If I have assets on the phone, then I'll just use Video Leap. Mm-hmm. And also Video Leap has a library of free music you can use. So I can ah, just pick stuff from okay. there. Yeah. Or instead of me looking for free music through some site and then bring it into Premiere, I can just find it in the app or do a voiceover directly on my phone. Or you can import your own music. It's pretty handy, like, if you're used to working on your phone a lot. I don't... I'd just rather be on the computer. Small canvas size. I think yes, I'm the exactly. same. Yeah. And I think I just have one more to add to that list, um, which is Canva also has video editing. So oh. that's also an option as well. It's actually quite good because you can do a lot of the things um, in terms of trimming and cropping and adding like music and transitions and things like that. And that's actually quite good because I like doing it on a bigger canvas. So if I was to create a video for a client that they could edit later, then Canva would be a good option for that. And then they can export it or post directly from Canva to Instagram. Interesting. I didn't know that. One thing to note that I learned is that If you're doing video for, let's say, Instagram, I'm assuming also TikTok, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. is that if you're adding music or basically the idea is the app that you're using wants you to use the tools that it offers to do the thing. Mm. So if you're doing video editing, your video would probably do better if it uses their music library, their captions, their editing tools rather than like you putting this together on your computer Mm. and finalizing it there and then just posting Mm. it. That's what I've learned. I don't know if that's still true, but um, just something to consider. To consider, yeah. Yeah. If you're selling digital courses or digital products, some of the ones that we've liked, I actually prefer Thinkific and I think Kajabi. Those two are my favorite. I personally have not sold anything, but I've used these platforms quite a bit. And I really like the ease of function and just being able to walk through everything like easily. And I also like the way that you can add certain like downloads or notes or things yeah. like that. So yeah, Thinkific is my favorite and Kajabi would be my second. Mm. I think Thinkific is one of the most expensive ones. Yes. I don't know if Kajabi yeah. is also like it's also on that very same. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they offer more than just like a platform to sell. They have like sales pages and like all these other things. They integrate payment into it. So it makes it so yeah. that you can just have everything in there, which is actually really great. Yeah, it's a one stop shop for everything. Um yeah. I do find my own experience with Kajabi, not for my site, but um, working with clients, is that 
some functions, such as the course function, um, is very good. And certainly they have a great funnel system, which really takes the customer from the start of the journey all the way through to signing up for a course and doing the mm-hmm. course and buying mm-hmm. the products. But things like uh, building a website, it's also part of Kajabi. Um, they have a website builder and that is quite slow and very clunky. So oh, yeah, so I think some things they do really well, but for a lot of these all in one kind of platforms, the sort of downside is that not every piece of software or app within that group of apps is going to be like amazingly smooth. There's yeah. always going to be a plus or minus there as well. So just something to consider. I have myself used Podia for a, for courses and I actually really like yeah. that. I think that's great. Um, it's, it's pretty easy. It's just like your standard course platform. Course platform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is we've also got Teachable, but I haven't personally used Teachable. Have you used Teachable with a client or anything like that? I think I bought something on Teachable or I used something like a long time ago, though. They're all pretty similar, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think it's just a matter of the features that you need. That's where they differentiate because of the yes. pricing. Yes. And also, like, some look a little bit more, I guess, cheaper. <laughs> the UI, the mm-hmm. the interface it doesn't look as refined as some other ones. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of where the experience comes in. But mm-hmm. I think what's great about this is for any of these, some features are not so great compared to others. But really, the magic of these platforms is that you can really sell anything from a pdf Mm. to a full course to a video course or whatever and you can easily just link to your website out into your landing page for that course or product and then like take you through that journey of like going from your website to this platform into a a sales page or something into the course immediately so you have your full login and everything per customer so yeah and I have one more to add to this list that we didn't have in our notes and that is actually like a cheaper version of a course Um, and it's using loom we talked about loom in like part one but it's actually good in terms of a middle startup option like if you didn't want to pay for say like Kajabi or Thinkific or Teachable, Loom is quite a cheap option in that if you were creating video content, you could actually just put them into a directory, a folder directory. Um, People can still comment on the videos and give you feedback and then you can link it also or embed it back into your website as well. So you can design essentially a page on your website that holds these videos and then people can play it directly from that or the other option is youtube you know or vimeo if you want to use any of those so but that would be a great option if you didn't want the full course kind of feature where people track their progress and have those specific login details for every person yeah that's a good point i actually did that for a client selling a course and we did a uh, hosting I think on YouTube if I want to say yeah. on Vimeo yeah. and then had the members download their Google through Google link yeah. PDF downloadable PDF but truly if you are really going to get into selling things 
I would stay away from that because it can get more complicated. Whereas if you are really ready to be serious to sell things, I would say it's worth your time mm. to spend a little bit more and get on a platform to make things easier, not only for yourself, but also for your customers. Yeah, great. Okay, last one. We're talking about communication or project management or even like groups, you know, if you want to do groups. So we can do Slack. Slack is used for like a million things, but communities, uh, project management, groups, even if you sell a course or something and then you have like a supporting group instead of using Facebook groups, Slack is a good option. I love how Slack has grown over the past few years and now people are like getting used to the platform, even though it can get a little bit overwhelming, but I love Slack and I prefer it over Facebook groups. What about you? Yeah, I don't actually use Slack all that much. I've used it in the past for little things, but I guess I'm not in that I'm not in that many groups where there has been a very strong sort of Slack community. Yeah. Most of the courses I've done has been on Facebook groups and I do have my own little Facebook group as well. There is a pro to Facebook group in that it's a little bit easier than I I don't know I, th- I think it's just very different offering than Slack actually so I was gonna say it's easier mm-hmm. to navigate but it's actually not because you can do a lot of the you can actually separate out the conversations in Slack that you can't really do on Facebook and nowadays with a lot of people moving away from Facebook it's going to get a little bit harder to keep people on those Facebook groups, especially if you run that. I've noticed a huge drop in engagement just because people aren't going to Facebook as much as they used to. And I have been in other groups where they've been based on the circle. It's called circle.so which is kind of like Facebook groups but oh yeah circle yeah on Uh its own thing and I actually really like that instead so I prefer that as a UI and overall experience I like that I think my problem with it is that because it's such it's it's like its own browser app I tend to not think about it and I just never end up going. You never go in. Whereas yeah. Slack is an app that I can open and I have several groups in there. So I'm constantly looking. Yeah. And then Facebook yeah. groups is the same. It's like I never go to Facebook unless it's to my coaching group yeah. and and look at what's going on because we have weekly calls. But if it wasn't mm-hmm. for the weekly calls, I probably wouldn't go in anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I like what you said because I think – even though sometimes they go hand in hand or people prefer one over the other, I do think that they serve slightly different functions mm. because of the features that Facebook uses or has uh, or offers, I should say, versus Slack is mainly was made for specifically co- for communication, where I think Facebook has like all these other things, you know, with events and discussions and you can add files and you can like do video calls and like all those kinds of things. Mm. Yeah. Great. So we're just going to do a quick summary, not necessarily for everything that we've covered, but I think just in closing, the main thing 
in terms of the list that we talked about is really just, again, to find what works best for your business and understand that at different stages of your business, you will likely require different types of apps or different types of software to help you get to the next stage. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to move between different apps at various stages of your business. Obviously, just keep in mind that that will take a little bit of an adjustment period if you are switching from things like like my example of MailChimp going to Flowdesk, for example. Um, And I think the other thing is all of these are just our personal experiences with the products. So just because we've had certain experiences doesn't mean that you're going to have the same experience. So always take some time to research to see what really works best for you and what features you're actually looking for and what maybe it's the UI or it's the user experience or it's the pricing that you're really going to be using to guide your purchase or guide whether you're going to use the app or not. One of the things that we talked about in the previous one, just at the end, was around trying too many apps or putting too many different things Mm -hmm. into your business all at once, because all of that is going to get very overwhelming and it's also time consuming as well. So sometimes just keeping things as easy and simple as possible for your business is probably like the best policy, Um, especially if you're in the first one to six years of your business. Simplicity is going to help you get more stuff done rather than adding all of these apps into your current system. So really pick and choose the ones that's really necessary. So, and as the final reminder, we've got a download that will go with this episode as well as the first part. So if you haven't checked out the first episode, part one, we'll have downloads for both. So you can always have a look there to see our recommendations and also any of the links that we have that will take you to those apps too. Yeah, and if you um, if you come across an app that we haven't heard and yeah. you uh, would like to I'd share like with to us, know. please do on Instagram at The Brand Journey. We would love to hear from you what apps you like, which you absolutely hate and do not recommend, <laughs> yes. or which new ones you think are new and you absolutely love because we're always interested in learning. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you really found it helpful and that gives you a little bit of information to be able to make your decisions and try new things. Yeah. We'll see you next time. See ya.